really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, very cool interviews, and so much more. So, of course, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows as much rugby as I can all over the world, 12 months a year. I support my New England Free Jacks, my USA Eagles, the Scottish national team, and the Highlanders in Super Rugby. So the Scrum of the Earth is a weekly podcast with bonus episodes frequently thrown in, including this very one here. So today, I'm so excited. I am incredibly grateful to announce my very special guest, and that is Alex Magleby, owner and CEO of my beloved Free Jacks, as well as all-around top lad. So Mags was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, and after attending Dartmouth College, uh, where in his senior year he was recruited for the USA men's sevens. He would then go on to be picked by the Eagles. Uh, he played for the 15s eight times, uh, or at least got picked eight, eight times and se- secured caps on four of those occasions uh, before going on to a spectacular coaching career. And of course, then going on to found the team that I love and, and so many of my, my friends love. The most important uh, accomplishment of all of these, of course, is being the force behind the New England Free Jacks. Uh, after some great coaching announcements today, Mags took some time to sit down with the Scrum of the Earth and have a, a lovely little chat. It was great. Uh, to be fair, he and I both quite quite recently put our respective children to bed uh, before recording this. So if either of us seem, I don't know, quiet or low energy at all, well, you know, Become a dad, and, and it'll all make sense. Okay, uh, this interview is about 40, 41 minutes, something like that. Um, traditionally, I would have broken that up into two episodes, but I feel like my listeners would rather get the whole interview at the same time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buck that tradition, and I'm going to put the whole thing here now. Uh, it's a great interview. Um, I'm really happy to have talked to Mags, and I think you're going to enjoy it too. So if it's, this episode's a little long, I'm sorry about that, but uh, I think it's going to be worth it. So thanks. So Alex Magleby, USA Eagle, American rugby coaching legend, and now CEO of the New England Free Jacks, just to name a few highlights. Is it all right if I call you Mags? Yes, that's great. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> someone was fixing the oven today and they're calling me Mag, so I think we're good. <laughs> I think, that's I think it's okay. stuck at this point. Yeah, 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 we're good. So thanks so much for agreeing to join me here. Welcome to the Scrum of the Earth. So as you know, I am a proud founding member of the Free Jacks. I've been watching, following, and snapping up merch from the very beginning. Uh, you must be really proud to see this team continuing to grow and to see the great response from the fan base, even this early in the program, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, congratulations on getting the pod launched and getting more than one episode out and actually doing it. It's really cool. That's fantastic. And it's there's a, you're in a long line of really good rugby podcasts that are coming out from Free Jacks folks, which is fans. For sure. It's, fantastic. it's really enjoyable. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of really awesome ones. That's that's terrific. So congratulations. That's not easy. And um, so hat tip to you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
just stoked for where we've come from and where this whole thing is going. You know, I think first and foremost, we have a great community that's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not massive yet, but it's really a group of people that are just good people. I think you see that in how kind of the pandemic played out, uh, how people took care of each other in the stands, Mm -hmm. um, people that didn't know each other at all uh, beforehand. And that really has an effect on the players and vice versa. It's just the absolute utter support that um, uh, the community gives the players and players back to the community is really, really cool and really special. Well, and so I think as a fan, you can see it spreading. I was uh, visiting Salem um, just a few months ago and I was at a bakery and randomly a woman behind the counter says, oh, nice free jack sweatshirt. And it was awesome. The, it was the first time anyone had said it, and then I saw her at a game a couple months. Oh, that's fantastic! That, yeah, it was just smashing. It was great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And seeing more and more of that, and people will send photos in. I'm on the beach in Florida, and I see a Free Jacks T-shirt, and you know, it's a very, it's a, it's a very unique brand, right? It's not, it's not the cats or the dogs or the sharks. You know, it's um, it's something that's very unique to to us. It's true. And that's really, that's really cool. And the, the brand is very special. Just with, it has a good uh, New England yeah. feel to it. Yeah. And, and, and so the today was... The of the fist and the light of the lantern is very cool. That's, today was uh, obviously a, a pretty big day special. for us. Uh, we had the announcements of a new head coach as well as a new senior assistant coach. So I'm really excited about these hires. Uh, I feel like you must be. Can you quickly talk about them a little bit? Um, we've, of course, got the former Brickwoods coach, Scott Matthew. I think it's Matthew, not Mathy. Is that right? Matthew, that's how I say it. Yeah, and, and Mike Rogers, formerly uh, at yeah. least of the Bay of Plenty. So I must be such a rugby nerd that uh, I don't know how many people you know that currently watch the Greek was and Bay of Plenty, but I'm one of them. So <laughs> the, uh, the, Curry awesome. Cup, the Curry Cup final is, is Saturday. And uh, the Greek was went from nothing like three yeah. or four years ago. They, I think they had a winless season. And, and this year they were right up there, you know, they were fighting for a playoff spot right till the end. And of course, there's only a, a couple of semifinalists. Um, this feels like really good news for us. Am I right? Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, both Scott and Mike um, are just fantastic humans. And that's, you know, number one. Uh, but they've both been through the grinder in a lot of ways. You know, you're referencing the Greek was, I mean, that is a, that's, you know, Kimberly, South Africa, that is a very small budget relative to some of the peers that yep. they compete with. You know, it's a it's a skeleton crew that he's been running and um, doing a fantastic job. And and Mike's in a lot of the, has, has, has had a lot of those similar type of experiences. You know, Mike's very entrepreneurial. He's run a, a, a company called Inside Running, which is kind of a uh, rugby camps and recruiting uh, thing. And uh He's coached at various levels in New Zealand, the men's game, the women's game. Uh, and he's, you know, all the feedback and the assessments there is uh, just a fantastic coach, but more importantly, puts people first. And you'd say that about both Mike and Scott, uh, which is, which we're really, really excited about the duo uh, to come in and not only influence our current players and staff, and be great uh, mentors for them, but also just the broader rugby community in New England. I think um, there's a lot that we can uh, learn from their experiences, uh, where they've kind of been at the coal face of of the game. And that'll be, um, that's really exciting. So yeah, super pumped for both of them. 
Uh, I, and, I, uh, I think Mike Rogers had an affiliation with the Bay of Plenty, and I think Ryan Martin also did at some point. Am I right about that? Is so? Is there a, a Free Jacks connection with inside the NPC? Yeah. So well, Mardo's Mardo's mostly um, Otago based, uh, okay. and that's kind of uh, Mardo's upbringing. That's Tom Kindly, a performance director. He's Otago based. Uh, James Willicks, uh, who's uh, you know been in the states for a while now, he's a U.S. citizen, but he was originally Otago based. So that was kind of that Otago connection. A few of the players this last year, you know, Lucky Otago. But you know who is who did play for Bay of Plenty was uh, Joe Johnston. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, Joe played for uh, you know, and Joe was a U.S. citizen. He, he was born in Boston. His dad bones actually played for the old beacon hill rugby club i didn't know uh, that. which is really cool that he's, oh, yeah, he came back yeah, great. Yeah. you know uh harrison boyle also was born in boston which is very cool but that and, much I you know a lot of people yeah yeah so that's really cool so uh but uh joe played uh for bay of plenty so it's um it's a small world in rugby circles and everybody kind of knows everybody in some in some way and so you <laughs> can pretty quickly pretty quickly get to who are the good eggs and rugby in general, there's a lot of good eggs, you know, but then who has the right fit for the personnel we have, who's got the right rugby acumen, who are the teachers, who are the, who are the more um, CEO types, you know, so it's, there's, there's various styles that, that, that you want to bring to the table. And we're just really fortunate that both Scott and Mike were available this year and uh, for the long term to come in and help us continue on this journey. Super did, excited. Did the timing of the, the, the Curry Cup have to do with the announcement? Yes, uh, it, you, that's right. You know, you and I had touched base, I don't know, a week or so ago and um, just had to, to the Greek was, I mean, and, and the work that Scott and all those players have done and his his staff there and they're in the semifinal against some pretty stellar teams that could have gone either way that game last weekend. But it was starting to then, um, you know, folks were starting to, to talk and the word was getting out. So we wanted to just be ahead of that on mm. the announcement. For sure. So, well, uh, there's a an anecdotal uh, claim that we're about to hear some news. I think it's on the the, what, the 16th or 18th or something about maybe a definitive list of players who are staying or going. Is that coming or is that just a, a rumor I've just heard? Yeah, we'll we'll be announcing the players starting next week, basically. Yeah, like we'll we'll start uh, cranking those announcements out as things are finalized for. Uh, the, the upcoming seasons you know the, the way we look at it is probably 70 percent of the team that you would have gotten used to last year will be returning mm -hmm. um, and then there's a handful who've had opportunities um, overseas or in other places that are just we're really excited for them and so it's like, sure. it's not like coach, coach marta i mean we're super excited for ryan well deserved going to super rugby you know we would have loved for ryan to stay and kind of layer in or, you know, other coaches around him, like the Scots and Mikes of the world. Um, mm. But we're super excited for Ryan to be in um, in Super Rugby and well-deserved. And you see that with a couple of the players, right? So beyond going to, uh, to Gloucester, that's that's magic. <laughs> so so that's important, though. So consistency in your coaching is is obviously what you want as a franchise. Um, as a fan, I, I loved Ryan Martin. I thought he was great. Uh, some of the, you know, at least so-called experts that I listened to, said that the Free Jacks had the best kicking game in Major League Rugby last year, and they attributed that to Ryan Martin and his sort of specialization. Um, so, of course, not having the same person coming back is, is worrisome as, as a fan. Uh, do you think we found 
some people who will be here for an extended period rather than just a season or two? Yeah, I think I think that's the plan, right? And I think that's how it'd been with Ryan, but it was obvious that we understood that sure. if Ryan were to get an opportunity in Super Rugby, and of course, any of our players and coaches, if they get opportunities to progress their life, we're going to absolutely be supportive. In, in the not too distant future, the the place to be will be MLR in that in that hierarchy. It's not that's not far away. Um, where, yes, you get an offer from a team in the Premiership, but you're going to want to stay because this is the place to be. And that's not we're we're not a decade away from that. We're a couple of years away from that. A few years away from that kind of max. It feels that. Um, yeah, we're the you know in five years from now where people are like oh mlr in the same conversation is super you know and that's the and that's the uh, goal for sure from a, from the rugby content perspective and the good news is we're, we're we're tracking well in that regard we got a ways to go um, but it's not it's it's not like mls trying to compete with la liga or the premiership in soccer like sure. it's just that that um differential is I also is, understand is a massive that, financial one. I understand there is a gigantic amount of money that has been poured into MLS to sort of get it to where it is right now. And I don't know. Yeah, MLS is an is an interesting model, and it's you know, and if you look at MLS from a business perspective, they've done a fantastic job of really developing fan bases that are awesome and that love the product and really love the live event and really enjoy it tv wise it's the third watched um so, uh, soccer league in the united states right it's not even number one mm. Interesting. Um, and just the cost and the history and everything else to get to become and to be seen as a top league that's that's a big challenge and i know they're working really hard to do that but to be on par with um uh the premiership and everything else that's a that's a big task where rugby wise we're not crazy far away from that um it's not you know it, it, a few more um things here and there and we would be fairly close to that level uh it's you know so you're, you're talking um a handful of years you're not talking about a handful of decades right and that's the really cool part but again, going back to it, you know, if, if, if players or coaches or anybody else really has opportunities to continue to grow and those are better situations for them, you know, that's, that's awesome. We're excited sure. for them. So Major League Rugby, to me, seems like it's growing really well. It feels like it's building uh, this past season, especially, you, i got to say, as a fan, the difference between being at Union Point and then being at Veterans Stadium at that last game, you, you could just feel the difference, the, the number of people, the excitement levels, it was just great. So uh, recently I talked to a guy named Tony Collins, who's a sort of a rugby historian. And uh, I listened to it. I love that. Oh, isn't he great? He's, he, he's a genius. And he, he's, all that stuff is available to him, you know, at the, you just have to ask and he's got the dates and the, right. the specificity for you. And he was saying, uh, you know, MLR seems better positioned than previous leagues have been. And he was saying, you know, America's so big, there's there's plenty of room for Major League Rugby to be get to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and become, you know, sort of in a world sense, huge without it actually being a direct, you know, are you competing with the NFL and the NBA kind of thing? Do you think that's yeah, no, yeah, it was I I really enjoyed listening to that. That was um, a, a great pod. There's a couple of pieces of history that I had 
read differently. So I'd love to, to, to go back and read my notes on some history, though, but it was fascinating. Ah. Um, but I really, I really appreciated that podcast. So thank you to you and Tony for that. Uh, we don't have to compete with the, with the big four. It, we don't, we can complement football. It's, um, it's not, it's not something that we even need to compete with. It's not, um, we're not taking eyeballs away. Right. We're not, uh, it's just our seasonality is different and the experience is different and, and everything else. But there's no reason why we can't be in the conversation of being in the top six sports leagues in the next decade if we do things right. What we have on our side is a couple of things. One is the ability to learn from everybody else and what they've done over 100 years of trying to develop high-quality sports entertainment, right? And that's taken years and years mm -hmm. and years of a lot of successes, a lot of failures in, in, in the big leagues in the United States. Two, we have a global game. Uh, there's 14 different countries represented on the free jacks, right? That's fantastic. That's awesome. That is something that is, um, that is, that is, that is really, really cool. There's something American uh, we, about that. We have a really, really healthy growth trajectory in terms of the participants in the sports. Uh, but it's highly, highly accessible. It doesn't cost a lot to participate. It doesn't cost a lot to be a fan. Everybody can see the faces of the, the people who are playing on the field. Um, and that, that ability to create um, connection to mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, the players and to the fans and that are then based on a game that has a tradition that money can't buy just in terms of you and I are sitting in the crowd and uh, we may be cheering for opposite teams, but we're still la having a laugh with each other. Right. And it's, um, you know, we still shake hands and we still have dinner together after the games. Uh, it's just, uh, it's fantastic. So all of those things add up to a really, really good opportunity to develop something, continue to develop something that is really special and take it to a much wider audience. You know, you say, you know, you just look at us in New England and, and the Free Jacks and we're kind of the top of the list in the MLR in terms of social numbers, aggregate social numbers, TV ratings numbers, things like that, even though we're only the 10th largest media market. Uh, the, but, the, you know, you got a history of, of high quality rugby in New England, amateur rugby, collegiate rugby. It's existed for a long time. Uh, you have a lot of expats uh, in New England based on the type of industries that we have, not only upper education, but biotech, tech, uh, you know, healthcare. There's a whole host of um, industries that, that attract um, expats as well um, as the tradition that's existed for rugby um, in New England for so long. So I think we're pretty fortunate in that regard. Our job now is to make sure that we're sharing the experience Mm -hmm. uh, with as many people as we possibly can, both from a participatory, participatory standpoint, so accessibility to learn how to play the game and everything else for kids and even adults, non-contact in all the various ways. But as important, the actual festival feel of what rugby is about, which you don't get in in other American sporting events. You know? Sure, it's funny because I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because that last game for this season. At, at Quincy Veterans Memorial Stadium. As I was sitting there, I thought, I wish I had a live line to Mags right now, because if he could hear the comments in the stands around me. So I don't know this for a fact, but it, it seemed like y'all must have done something to sort of 
get extra tickets out there to to drum up the the beat in Quincy, it seemed like there were a lot more sort of fans who were like, I have no idea if I like this game or not, but I'm going to come see it because it's right here. And all of those people around me were all saying the same things. They were saying, I can't believe this is so much better than I thought. I can't believe how hard those people are working out there. And I can't believe the sound of the bodies on the bodies. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, a, it's a good way to describe it. Once people see the, the actual entertainment on the field, it's like, wow, that is really cool. And every 30 seconds, it's something new and it's mm-hmm. exciting, but it's this visceral reaction that you don't get in most other sports because you're so close to it. So yeah, in regards to Quincy, the city of Quincy advertised and um, one of the big sponsors uh, of the former Cannons uh, lacrosse club that had oh, played right. in that stadium, they bought a bunch of tickets and they brought their whole company. So it was like 500 oh. tickets and most of those people would have never seen rugby. Wow. Um, you know, so I was in one of that those sections um, up at the top there. Uh, so that was really cool. And, you know, and, the, and the, the, we're now in the city of presidents and the city of Quincy has been really supportive and they, um, you know, were, were certainly uh, excited to share it with others in Quincy and the, and the citizens of Quincy. So it was great. It was really cool. And that's only going to continue to happen more and more as people start seeing and feeling and being a part of the experience. And like, wait a minute, they, they, it, this is not very expensive relative to what else my family could be doing today in terms of entertainment or sports entertainment. Um, it's a safe, healthy environment. You know, it's a, it's, it's a lot of laughs. Uh, there's a good socioeconomic diversity and it's exceptionally fun game to, to be a part of and watch, you know, and that's, um, that's the really cool part about it. Yeah. Be, being there live, you know, everyone told me when I, I started watching rugby on, you know, st- streaming it on the internet before I actually got to see it live for a long time. And uh, everyone told me, no, 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 wait till you see it live. And it, it, it's, it's real. Oh, that's awesome. It's yeah, a big yeah. difference. It's validated. Yeah. That's really cool. So I, I should let you go. I know you've got other things to do tonight. Um, last couple of things. So I'm one of, I'm sure many who quite literally owned the shirt proclaiming our inaugural home match. It was, it's going awesome. to be, yeah, it was going to be played on March 14th, 2020. And of yeah. course the, the state of Massachusetts went into lockdown on Friday, lucky Friday the 13th. Yeah. That must've been a really tough day for you. Uh can you tell me how you, you yeah so it was a wednesday it was it was a wednesday actually we um got together as a league and we decided to suspend the season and i think oh. then nobody knew what was happening and um i think officially we announced it on the thursday that week um, i think it was the wednesday nba announced they were suspending we were kind of right right in that wheelhouse one of the first leagues to do right. so but at the time, it was like, we're going to suspend operations for two weeks and see what happens. I think it was two weeks. And then, you know, it became clear that, you know, we're not going to be playing rugby in two weeks and probably not, you know, in May. And so that's when we did, you know, create 20 different budgets. Are we running a bubble? Are we doing, what are we doing? And then that's when we eventually, a couple of weeks later, decided to cancel the season uh-huh. and, um, you know, make sure that our players were in good space, but kind of, you know, hold on tight locally and start building um uh for the next year so, so it, it's how awesome was that going to be that we were going to that was we we're approaching a sellout for that and i love that you have i know t-shirt. that's going to be such a great novelty <laughs> oh i had my years to come i had my seats <laughs> I, it's fantastic 
So it is my understanding that you and the rest of the owners got together and decided, you know, we need to honor these player contracts or we're not going to have any players when this thing is over. Am I right about that? And was that like, that seems like such a great and gutsy move and might've saved MLR. Do you, do you think that? Uh, yeah, it was, just, it, was the, it was, it was, it was the right thing to do. There, there's, it's just, that was at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. And as owners, as MLR owners, that was important for us to make sure that we were doing that for, for the player's livelihood, uh, first and foremost, um, you know, a lot of them, you know, international, not necessarily going to benefit from being in the United States and anything that may come from a government perspective that we didn't even understand at the time, but that's, it was just mm. the right thing to do. And um, it worked. So, yeah, first of all, that's, you know, that, that is, that was the most important thing. You know, I mean, we could have done the opposite. And I, yes, this year we still would have had players and, um it's just that was the the right thing to do so that's why we did it so apart from that deep level of commitment from ownership what else has made mlr you know more successful than the previous incarnations of pro rugby in the u.s uh and out of curiosity have you been involved with any of those other previous iterations yeah so i'll answer your second question first no uh you know my experience primarily with rugby in the united states has been as a coach uh, involved uh, in the amateur game uh, okay. for a long time. And then with USA Rugby, um, you know, which of course is an Olympic nonprofit organization. So no, you know, I, I did have some insights into how some of those were trying to, and there hasn't been too many that actually got off the ground. There was that PRO Rugby and, you know, I think that was awesome that they had tried to, he had tried to um, get that going. Um, but it just didn't wasn't probably structured in a way that was going to be sustainable uh, from from my outside uh, view. What I think uh, the reason I was attracted to MLR was it was uh, more connected to the game in the United States. It was a financial model uh, that is built on growth for the long term and not it doesn't have to be the NFL today mm. and let's make sure we manage our costs as we learn how to build revenue in time. And that was really uh, compelling to the, uh, the MLR structure and setup, which is, which is really important, you know, and that's how most sports entertainment leagues go out of business, how much almost all of them do, except for a rare exception, like the few we've already talked about is because costs far out, far out uh, exceed revenue uh, in the short term and that just accelerates and it gets worse and worse and worse, you know, cause it, we've been the mindset, we've got to win now. We gotta, we gotta pay, pay, pay differently. And, um, that gets pretty scary pretty quickly, uh, historically, you know, from a historic league perspective. So that's, that's a great structure of, of MLR for sure. Okay. I've got two last things, if that's all right. Um, one is mandated to me. Uh, I talked to Jonathan Beardmore from the egg chasers podcast recently, and uh, he's always, of course, got some interesting theories. And he was saying, when I told him I have a chance to talk to you, he said, "Ooh, ooh, that's a great get," <laughs> which I thought was a nice way <laughs> to put it. And he said, uh, "But he said you've got to ask him. So, would Major League Rugby be better off concentrating itself to a few hotbed regions rather than trying to be a national sport? You know, like he was saying that you've already got these sort of hotbeds in Texas, California, and New York." 
should you concentrate on being a regional game? Of course, I, I thought it sounded from what, 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 what perspective is he talking from a rugby perspective? Is he talking from a business perspective? What perspective is that coming from? Or I, I think both. both. He, I think he, he, he yeah. was saying to, to make major league rugby stronger. Do you want to, instead of spreading it out, do you want to concentrate it in super in some areas and make those the areas where you have the camps and the, you know, the systems where people can come up through them. Okay. Yeah. That's certain that then um, assumes that there's not the labor to support 12, 13, 14 uh, major league rugby uh, teams. Okay. I, th I think I know maybe where he was going with that. Mm. So the good news is we are a global game. And for the last 20 plus years, a lot of countries have spent a lot of money on their development pathways and creating really high quality development pathways. We are, the beneficiary of that as a league because there's a lot of really really good players around the world that don't necessarily have a home mm. um, and we're providing something that's attractive and unique and being a part of this experience whether they're from the united states or canada or you know 14 other countries that are you know really creating really high quality players so there's there's a labor market that is supportive of not only the current number of teams we have but more um, but yes, mm. if, 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 if the concern is every team was only Americans, um, would it be better off to have fewer teams in order to concentrate the Americans? Um, you, could, you could create a model, uh, you could create an argument around a model that would say fewer teams would be better. Now, at the end oh. of the day, that's not, our, our job is to, to create a really, really high quality product on the field that our fans relate to, that our fans are excited about. That's our job. Mm. Um, development of players, whether they're Americans or Canadians or American Canadian refs or coaches or anything else, is a will be a byproduct of, of that. But if we don't have that first piece, we don't have any of the other stuff. If there's no commercial model, sure. it, 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 it doesn't work. So the, the, the question then becomes is what is the best commercial model for growing a rugby sports entertainment you know, league in, in North America and I think we're in a really good space by the number of teams we have. We have some really good owners yep. uh, who are who are in it for the long term and have really a good mindset around that. We have um, lots of cities out there that that are really excited to get an MLR team, whether that's near term or long term. Our job is to make sure that that is that is a sustainable model in time from a commercial standpoint. Okay, so is there a labor market that supports? 14 teams is there a label market that in a few years supports 16 teams probably mm. um you know but but maybe you could argue that, that that is not the case for 2016 the good news is we have we have national tv coverage uh that is done actually fairly well that's been great the, the, the launch of yeah. that website this year was was just a godsend that was fantastic for american rugby fans yeah how great is that and then we we're on fs1 and cbs and FS2 and uh, you know then locally some of our games run Nesson and, and some of our national numbers their Free Jacks national numbers our TV rating numbers are higher than you know NHL cable averages and wow. MLS, MLS nice. cable averages so having a national footprint is actually important you know that there's there's more eyeballs potentially getting interested if we have you know the the, the DMVs that we do we're in a pretty good space. You would also argue that there's some other DMVs that we should probably have in the medium term that help help that. You know, your your Chicago, uh, 
San Francisco, Philly are obvious number from a numbers perspective, but also from rugby history perspective are some pretty obvious ones, Vancouver, um, and then also mm. the Miamis of the world. And, you know, then there's a whole bunch of other ones that probably could, could run very good MLR teams in time, like the Charlottes of the world and, and Nashville's and everything else. So there's a really, that's a, there's a, a great opportunity in the future to, to really expand and, and do all that fun stuff. Uh, we're in no rush. I think we're in a we're in a good space right now, kind of around that twelve to fourteen. You know, maybe get to sixteen if we if, uh, if that makes sense in a couple mm. of years. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because expansion was one of the questions on my list. I have a ton of questions about you and your own playing career, and then I had a whole speed round. But I feel like I've kept you for too long, so I'll, I'll just give you the one last question. Um, there is a pro a program in Colorado. I'm sure you're aware of it. I, their stated purpose is the USA winning the, the Rugby World Cup in 2027. Um, I love what I've seen about this program. I think they're doing really great things. I'm not convinced it's a realistic goal, but I love the fact that they've said it's their goal. What, what do you think about that program? Um, so there's a couple of things you said there. One is about winning a World Cup in 2027. That would be fantastic. Or 31. And how great is if if we were hosting it here in North America? That would be oh, fantastic. Yeah. So that's that's that one thing and then in terms of the exos program i think the that you're referring to that kind of crossovers yep. athletes it's fantastic that glendale is putting money where their mouth is and and chasing that down forever is this, everybody is this what happened to the is this what happened to the glendale raptors did they become well, no, did they yeah go well, well the, the city's always existed and that's always been rugby town usa and they've, they've plowed a lot of money into developing rugby and that's awesome um the uh, so this is the city doing that, and this is what they're looking to do. This is their next iteration of trying to support the game, which is fantastic. That's awesome, you know. And, and a lot of people have always said, "What if you do this? What if you do this with these other athletes, and what will happen?" So at least they're trying to do that. Uh, I think the um, argument that a lot of people on the outside always make is that it's just so simple that you just take a bunch of uh, NFL players who don't quite make it and turn them into. Uh, a world-class 15s team undermines and, and is a, is a um, pretty naive look at how the game is actually played. Mm. There are certain positions that you could, you could, you can shorten that cycle um, to a, a short amount of time. You don't have to play your whole life. There are definitely some positions where, sure. you know, within a few years, you can, you can be a pretty, pretty high quality rugby athlete uh, at the next stage um, depending on the coaching and the environment and everything else and, and one's athletic ability. And certainly there are, there are some positions that would support that, but like a whole a group that is simply going to win a world cup. And, that, and that's not what they're suggesting. I think it's a, it's a combination of kids, which they support who played rugby their whole life and um, augmented with quality athletes who join in high school, some cross over in college, but you know what, some end up crossing over, post-college and let's let's upskill uh, folks get involved so that's awesome that they're you know attempting to do it yeah where a lot of people have talked about it but not done anything about it so that's really cool yeah and i don't think i've ever heard anyone say we expect the u.s to win the rugby world cup so the, the fact that they're even floating it i, I like that ambition I, I like what they're trying to do out there i think that's cool i think there'd be a lot of circles that would be saying that in regards to you know, preparing for hosting a World Cup. And I argue from a commercial standpoint, the World Cup in this country will be successful for other reasons if it's done right, 
whether we do really well or not as a national team. I think that'll be icing on the cake, but that's Definitely. not what is going to make or break a commercial um, World Cup in this country in 27 or in 31. I, I would argue that the, the 94 Soccer World Cup was huge. I, I feel like Major League Soccer probably wouldn't exist if that hadn't happened. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. So uh, Major League Soccer was kind of in the works and ended up coming in 96 after the 94 um, World Cup. Again, granted, there's whatever, 5 million kids who are playing soccer in the yeah. United States <laughs> at that time, yep. right? So it's a, in some ways, it's a bit of a different I was model. One of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all were, right? And, um, you know, but the U.S. actually did fairly well in that. And uh, I think they made it to the next round, right? When Columbia scored on themselves. Well, uh, I think it was to nice go. too. The, the the final was Italy. Uh, was it Brazil versus Italy? And there, there's so many Americans who are like, yeah, yeah, I'm Italian. Uh, I think <laughs> That's the, great. Yeah. the actual makeup of the final helped Americans get yeah. into it. <laughs> and, and, and again, it educated a population on what kind of soccer is and, uh, you know, the whole experience. And that was really cool. The, the culture of soccer was even though a lot of us had played and everything else was really brought to the masses, which is, which was really cool. And that's what a world cup can do. Uh, so I can't believe I almost didn't ask this Saturday is a big day. Um, are we going to beat Canada by 14 or more? I guess it only yeah, has I, to be 14. Uh, yeah. But I, I have full confidence in, the, in that team that it's going to be a know, much they, different they, game, right? They, they play, they play good rugby and you know they, they could run away with that game. Um, you know, they, they got to do the job, but they certainly have the ability to win and win by a lot, right? That, that team has the ability to do that. Um, can, can we pr- produce sure. more great tens like AJ? It, it seems like he's the only one, at least, you know, on a global stage right now. It seems like we have a hard time producing tens. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think you got to look at our whole development pathways and everything else. There's just not a lot of elite level rugby at the high school right. level. I mean, it's just not... And that really helps develop certain positions. You know, AJ didn't come to the United States until university age. Right. He'd already kind of done a lot of um, that, that development cycle. And AJ is a heck of a player. And he continued to get better and better and better at, as his career progressed. Um, you, know, you, you look at a lot of, a lot of people in, in the world of sport, right? And at 18 years old, you're either you make it or you don't. Um, you're either in, in, in some of those countries, you're contracted or you're not. You're you're going to get to the academy and get a pro contract. You know, a lot like, you know, football in the United States. You either have the physical attributes at 17, 18 years old to get to the college ranks. At 22, you have the physical and skill attributes and mental attributes to try to get into the NFL. And there's, there's a very clear demarcations of when people get through. Unfortunately, that's not how the human body works. You know, some mm-hmm. of us developed early and some of us developed way later and so it's a good thing about rugby is hopefully there's some opportunities where people can develop later in their career um there are some good fly american fly offs coming up uh, through the system i'd say and i think mlr what it provides is an opportunity for a lot of those players to get the competitive repetitions that they've never really been able to get i think so too um in this most recent draft it looked like the 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 arrows grabbed the canadian players from canadian universities and we grabbed the american players from the american universities is that a, a budget thing for scouting and stuff? It, are we just regionalized that way? No, you got to remember that you can't get work authorization in the United States unless you have a visa. Ah. The, abil- the ability to get a visa is predicated on your history 
and so uh, a professional visa p1 visa in sport you've got you've got to have a certain amount of pedigree to get that visa in the first place i never thought about that yeah Ah. so if you're not an international player uh you know or considered the top of the game it's it's a challenge to get that visa sometimes wow never thought of that yeah. So uh, I am going to let you go. You, you've given me more time than you promised. I, I, I couldn't be happier. So this has just been so fantastic for me. I, I hope my fellow rugby fans and especially my fellow Freejacks fans have enjoyed this as much as I have. Mags, you have been the perfect guest. I am supremely grateful that you found the time to come and join me on the scrum of the earth. I can't wait to see you at Fort Quincy next season. Uh, thanks for giving us all the experience that we've been so lucky to be a part of. It's been great. And I and the other fans I know, thank you. Uh, I can't imagine you have the time, but if you ever listen to the pod, you'll hear me go on and on about how the people around me in the stands were so great. I, I kind of yeah, went back awesome. to that today. It's a, it, it, it's a great experience and going from one to the other. And I will never complain about Union Point because it was a fantastic experience, but the step up was noticeable. And uh, fan-wise, it was just fantastic. Um, Brilliant. If I could have live streamed my, my view to you during that match, you just would have loved it so much. And I just can't say thanks enough. It's awesome. Thank you. I love it. Scrum of the Earth. What a great name. Congratulations. <laughs> it might be great the best be work I've done is just coming up with the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> I am waiting for somebody to come up with a, a, a pod just about like North and South American rugby and just call it the, the Mall of the Americas. Yes. Yeah. Seems like it's coming. <laughs> so right? good. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Max, thank you. You are an amazing person. I'm proud to be a fan of yours and your amazing team. Thanks. It's great. It's great to have you. Uh, Let's ride. Are you even kidding me with how good that was? That was just, just great. I can't believe Mags joined me. I can't believe as a Free Jacks fan, I was able to do that. It was just smashing. So that does do it for this week, however. So please, please. Reach out with your questions, your ideas. I am at of Scrum. I can always be emailed at the Scrum of the Earth at gmail.com. So if you want to help spread the pod to other rugby fans, please share, 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 and leave me a positive review. I've got the one so far, and that's it. You know, please, one more of those would, would make a big difference. I know it seems silly, but anyway, as always, thank you all for listening. You are all the best. Uh, Thank you, Mags, for joining me on this podcast. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And be well.